This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Citizens of the Verse, today is October 27th, 2950, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Reed Organization. Um, I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by the Charm School valedictorian himself, Jekyll. Hello, everybody. Hello, even Hello. though I'm flatlining, but I, I am still here. <laughs> Perfect timing uh, to flatline. Uh, get your green and black ribbons out, put on your scariest helmet, and let's start the show. Uh, tonight we are joined by a software engineer by day, spaceman by night, Netsmage. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, to start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, and as always, what's your favorite activity to doing game? Ooh. <laughs> well, well, first, hello? Uh, hello, Who world. Can hear you? Oh, okay, yes. okay. Um... Yeah, no, I'm a so I'm a software engineer. Uh, pretty much, uh, I've been doing this for a little over a decade now. And um, in Star Citizen, my favorite thing to do it's God, it's kind of it's kind of hard, but I would I would have to say right now probably mining. There's just something that's kind of calm and comforting about it. Uh, you can leisurely do it you know, whenever you want. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's kind of a, a, a low effort gameplay mechanic where you can just kind of go at your own pace and it's fun. I don't know. And depending on what moon you go to, uh, it can be, I mean, if you go to Clio, like the way that it looks there, it's amazing. So it's just kind of fun to fly around. Awesome. Yeah. It is a good way to explore the verse while still making money. I would, I would guess. Now, you've been generating a lot of content on YouTube lately, which I think is great. It tends to be a little bit shorter compared to a lot of people out there. What drove you to start becoming more active on YouTube? Uh, well, so I got to first clarify that I'm not I'm not a real content creator, right? Like there are people out there like Morphologist, O-Earth, uh, The Nubifier, right? Like those those are those are real content creators. I just do it because I have fun with it. I, I, in, in there, there's not a single video that I put out there where I'm asking for followers or like and subscribe or anything like that. I'm not about that. I just have fun doing it. And the reason mm-hmm. that I started doing it is honestly because Star Citizen. There's just so many hilarious things that happen, and they only happen in Star Citizen. Um, like that time Nubkins just, I just happened to be recording and he ejected and it like slung shot him 45 degrees yeah. to the right instead. <laughs> and then I watched him go off in the distance and then I heard some rustling and then I looked by my feet and he's upside down with his feet sticking out of the ground, like stuff like that. Right. <laughs> you, you just can't get that anywhere else. Um, or the booty shaking bug that you um, <laughs> showed me today. That, 
I had, yeah, I had that random clip. Just, I don't know what was going on with that person. I don't think, that, obviously, I don't think they were doing it on purpose. We don't have a a, a twerk emote yet, but yeah. um, I mean, it was just, I didn't know what to do with it, so I was like, ah, I'll just throw it up there. But yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> random stuff. But yeah. well, you seem to get a lot of viewers um, considering you're sort of like, I'm just throwing it up there. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. pretty impressive. Yeah, especially the, the the latest one, I think you're in the thousands with that one. Yeah, oh, I, there's quite a few. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I appreciate that, but again, I've it, it's just uh like a hobbyist thing, right? Uh, but I yeah. mean, my if you look at my stuff versus one of the real professionals, right? Like they they make money off of that stuff. That's part of the that's their job. To yeah. I mean, that's that is their bread and butter. They could spend, you imagine? Could, what? Making that your day job, wouldn't that be so uh-huh. amazing? <laughs> I, I, as much as I have fun doing it, I, I'm not, uh, I can't say that I love it. I love my job. Um, yeah. As, as a software engineer, we solve new, organic, evolving, complex problems on a daily basis that you almost never see the same thing. Uh, you may see, uh, similarities like architectural, you know, framework wise uh, patterns and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you, you constantly having to solve new things and the way those things are solved and implemented is an art. So that's why I like computer science, you know, there, there is an art to it. That's why I love it, but I can never yeah. be a content creator for, for, uh, for, for a living, you know? You know what? It's sort of because then everything that you do has to be within the like scope of, well, this will be great content for me to put out versus, you know, believe it or not, it takes me very little time to prepare for these episodes uh, unless it's a really abundantly data rich week. And even then I just throw together and and uh, go off of memory because I do watch a lot of the content that, that CIG puts out. So. Right. You know, maybe we should talk about because we always throw these two words out, you know, iCache and server mashing. And that's maybe you could uh, like break it down to like sort of in a non-technical way. Like, what does it really mean? <laughs> you want me to break down uh, a well, technical uh, terminology yeah. well, in a non-technical like, technical way? <laughs> yeah, like what? Because... Have you heard NetsMage break down technical well, no, no, but, before? no, but you know, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we take it for granted. We have a lot of newcomers that may be listening to us. Right. And right. we throw these words around and they don't really, and we're kind of, oh my God, we can't wait for it. But what does it really mean for them or for us? You know? So, um, so there's two major components there. And, uh, again, I am not a developer that's working on their, on their code. I have no idea behind the scenes, how these things work. But fundamentally, and I mean 10,000 foot perspective looking down, um, iCache and server meshing are uh, they're two totally independent systems that are supposed to be utilized together. And keep in mind, this is my understanding. But iCache is the, the system that is going to be responsible for it's a very, very high indexed so you have this uh, uh, in database optimization and normalization, you refer to it as cardinality. Um, but anyways, it's going to be this very, very elaborate system that is very quick at retrieving things, right? And so it's essentially a huge hash table or a hash map, if you will, 
um, that is designed for quick retrieval of things, right? And behind the scenes, those are all going to be tied to like long-term persistence ledgers in a database that is not related to iCache. But iCache is going to sit in front of all of that stuff. Um, and it's literally just going to serve as one of the uh, uh, fetching mediums to expedite and speed all these things up. Because you have to think about how many objects there are. And based on... Uh, and the server calculates all this stuff. When you're moving forward at, let's say, a thousand meters per second, the server is trying to anticipate, based off of an algorithm, everything that it needs to start rendering and giving to you to load into memory. iCache is going to be part of that mechanism or behavior. Um, and iCache needs to be very, very efficient in order to have that done correctly. Otherwise, you're going to end up with things like in No Man's Sky, where you have this texture streaming popping. You'll see stuff pop in and out. Um, and it can cause all sorts of race conditions, race conditions with like concurrency and, uh, like it can be very, very, very bad if it's implemented incorrectly. That's why they're taking so long on this, but that's, that's the iCache component, 10,000 foot perspective, the server meshing. And I believe the developers talked about this in one of their, uh, one of their, uh, uh, what is those, uh, either ISC or, um, one of their videos that they put out there, and I'm just going based off memory, but one of the core components about server meshing is if you can imagine 10 servers, right? And each one of those servers is responsible for housing, uh, for simplicity here, let's just say a number of players. I'm not going to throw in like different moons and say, oh, this moon has this server and all this other stuff. Let's just say high level is responsible for holding a fixed amount of players. Well, when you're moving from one space to another in the system, it will try and take all of your data. And they said this when they were in quantum, if you're traveling from one place to another, the system is anticipating and calculating ahead of time where you're trying to go. And so what it's going to do is it's going to take all that data and push it forward to the server that it needs to go to. And then that server is going to pick it up. And then your instance per se has now transferred from one to another. Um, and that is how we're going to end up with not just these 50 server player caps um, because each server can be spun up dynamically. A lot of this is done through AWS's, uh, you have elastic load balancers, um, you have uh, ALBs, ELBs that sit in front of all this stuff, and uh, they're all tied to clusters. And But but anyways, the, the server meshing component is literally just, just about transferring ownership of who needs to be, uh, where where is my stuff? What server is it in? Is it in server A or B? And that's all going to have caps on it and everything else, but... A pro it's it's very hard for me to break something down uh, that I don't see how they're implementing it behind the scenes, but it's literally just like taking uh, taking a token from one bucket and passing it to another. That's like as as rudimentary as it can be explained. Uh, I know. And, and right? I feel like I know more now. And <laughs> <laughs> each bucket has that capacity, right? So if you try and take that token and give it to a bucket that's already full, it's going to go ah. And it's going to give it to one that's not. So, and it's going to transfer all the the metadata associated with that particular item to that bucket. So that way it knows everything about it, what it was trying to do. And 
And all this stuff has to happen very fast. So, and there, the entire gaming industry that's actually based on uh, an anticipation algorithm for they're trying to figure out where you're trying to go. There's all these algorithms that are tied into this stuff that they have to figure out how to work with. And it's, and it's honestly an amazing feat that they're able to make any of it work as seamlessly as we think it's happening, but it's really smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's good because the reason I ask, because as you know, there's a lot of that doubt is there saying, you know, where does all this money go? Why is it taking so long? And why are we not seeing progress? And why is it an alpha? Well, I mean, if they I think some people appreciate and really understand this, this kind of stuff, it puts a whole new light, you know, on what is happening with, with, with this game. Yeah, yeah I, it's yeah. It's very easy to be a uh, what do they call that when a person that's sitting a on naysayer? the uh, well no uh, a person that's sitting on a bench or they're watching oh, for right, a football right. game and they're like how did he miss that right yeah. it's like you go down there and take on that nose guard you know well, it's I think it's called mo- Monday night quarter quarter Sunday morning quarterback Sunday, <laughs> Sunday morning. well it depends yeah. what you watch in college or pro yeah. right 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 yeah exactly but it's, um oh go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say, it's just, it's always easier to sit back and say, why is it taking so long? Um, you know, it's just, I, you know, CIG can't win for losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, today is also a holiday in the verse, uh, in case anyone didn't know, it's the day of the Vara. Um, so those of you who don't know what that is, um, it is uh, essentially sort of the you know, future version of Halloween. Um, I, I do have the Galactopedia article up and normally I don't like to read the whole thing, but I just love the way they describe this holiday. So I'll read it for you. Um, so the day of the Vara is a holiday celebrated by the UEE annually on October 27th. The holiday involves public festivals adorned with decorations in black and green and private gatherings convened to remember and honor the dead. Celebrants dress up as people who have passed away or in other costumes and swap scary stories, especially pertaining to mysterious incidents in space. It is seen by humans as a day that gives equal weight to the joy of life, the joy of life, joy of life <laughs> and mm-hmm. the macabre. Um, so the Vara, you know, the holiday actually first originated um, around the 27th of, of October 2557, so hundreds of years ago in verse, um, after the disappearance of the Vara, which was an exploration vessel orbiting the second planet in the, at the time, recently discovered Hades system. Um, communications from the Vara to the Red Ore system stopped early in the morning after their captain sent her initial uh, impressions of the ruined alien cities. Um, so all the systems on board ceased transmitting ship status um, reports a few hours afterwards. Uh, so search and rescue uh, teams were dispatched the next day, but they could not find the ship. No wreckage was ever found. No remains were ever found. So, you know, there are some ways that that the, the holiday has been celebrated in the verse. I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but it was eventually made um, sort of official and. T- uh, 2595 as an annual holiday, um, you know, and, and people will 
light candles. They'll um, uh, drink and eat. Uh, and they'll have like spirit cakes, ice wine. Uh, and a big tradition is staying up till four, four, first morning light. Uh, so, you know, it's wow. funny because it also cool. says those celebrating on space stations actually rely on the artificial day-night cycle mm. uh, to signal the festivities end. So um, I, I saw you wearing black and green, but the question is, are you drinking the ice wine? I actually have some wine that I'm drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's sort of like a, um, you know, a combination of Halloween and Day of the Dead. Um, I'm curious to know, first of all, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of do you like that this is a fictional holiday in verse versus, say, like just celebrating Halloween? Um, you know, because not all countries in our in the world celebrate it, but also hundreds and hundreds of years from now, who knows if people celebrate it? What do you think, Nets? Uh, I heard kebabs in there somewhere. <laughs> kebabs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what do I think about the... The idea of like, you know, a lot of the holidays that we have in the game, they're sort of correspondent to real life holidays that we have now. Right. Um, you know, you look at this and Stella Fortuna and then even, I forgot what it is for 4th of July but they sort of mirror a lot of the holidays we have now. Do you like that they made up these holidays instead of using the real ones? Or do you think it makes more sense to, to use the real ones? Well, no, I mean, I, you know, you got this entire fictitious aspect that defines the lore. They made, you know, this, this, the verse was made up, right. And they have a lore that goes with it and describes where all the, you know, the alien races and the the systems and the languages i mean they wrote they made languages right they paid for linguists and everything to make real languages mm-hmm. um and uh but anyways so with that you know it makes sense that it's it it can't be what we have um there's almost not i can't think of anything in the game that is lore specific that has a direct correlation or translation rather to the real event like halloween and the event that's going on right now right it's yeah it's it's based off of that idea um but there's no direct translation you couldn't you couldn't connect the dots from end to end and that makes sense i think i I think it would be thousands of years you know (laughs) right yeah and if you think of how yeah, and if you think of how Halloween evolved anyways over the thousands of years that it's taken and the different religions and, you know, the the mixture between Christianity, Catholicism, paganism, right? Like and then if you were to fast forward few, you know, further in the future, uh yeah, I just I don't know. No, I I I, uh, I totally agree. What what do you think, Chekhov? What are your thoughts? No, I yeah, I think it's it's great because again, it's all about the immersion. It's all about really not, not only the physical aspect but the lore and really getting into. It. I just wish they were more organized. Like you know, if you wouldn't have told me uh, visually, I wouldn't have recognized anything. It'd be nice to see something happening somewhere in the verse, right? Yeah, the, the I mean, kind of my sense is that will eventually happen, and it does for other holidays like Stella Fortuna. They do decorate a little 
bit in in some of the places they probably ran out of time this year the, yeah. the closest we get are these helmets yeah i was gonna say you didn't see all the blood everywhere in the verse from uh all the you know get 50 kills 50 unique player kills uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way you would have known it's like why is everyone trying to kill me no matter where i spawn right. yeah so. Well, in spirit of the holiday, I thought it would be good. You know, does does anybody have like a scary story or ghost story or experience they've had that they want to share? Nets, anything freaky or weird ever happened to you? Uh, no, Could be I in mean, game or out of game. I mean, other than, you know, not quite making it to the toilet a certain time, you know, I mean, it, other than that, <laughs> it's just. That's a freaky experience for everyone. It was, yeah, it was definitely <laughs> scary for me definitely scary so uh but no i mean i no i don't have any you know i haven't seen any witches or 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 demons crawling out of the well i was married so hold on um no (laughs) No, nothing here what about you check off anything unusual we can't we can't talk about real life of course because we don't talk about fight club right but in the verse no not really you can talk about real life no anything weird happen no, not, no? not really. I can't say. Well, Halloween has not oh. hap- did not happen yet, so it's still coming. Oh. But in the verse, there was really uh, nothing. I'll, I'll I'll save that for the science and the bugs. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, those will be coming up. Um, I've actually I've encountered I've had a lot of weird paranormal experiences actually, and one of the weirdest. Um, I used to work at this bar. And the restaurant just always seemed cursed. I love how my cat, while I talk about mm-hmm. this, is going <laughs> like an eerie little specter out in the hallway. You're secretly um, squeezing them over there. Now, yeah. now, cute. With my telekinesis, apparently. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I worked at this bar and the restaurant, whatever, whenever a restaurant was in there, it would just never last. And I don't know if it was the rent or whatever, but behind the bar, there was this one spot where if you walked around the corner, every once in a while, you'd hear your name in your ear. So someone would be like, God, right in your ear. And it would just, there would be no one there. There, You'd only be working with one other person and it would happen to everybody. And then if I was going down in the cellar to get more wine, You'd hear someone walking down the stairs behind you. You'd hear banging in the office slash apart- empty apartment upstairs. Um, and and a bunch of other weird things like seeing people in reflection of glasses, and glasses falling out of nowhere. So scary. But that's, that's one of my many stories. <laughs> um, so besides... Uh, sheer terror what what well i'm really um i haven't even drank that much wine so it's not that um what else has everyone been up to this week in the verse what about you nets mage uh i (laughs) as you know there's uh there's been a couple of um very uh non-cooperative bugs uh, right now on star citizen so i, I just, might say almost game breaking <laughs> yeah um well i don't want to you know so there are times in star citizen when the game plays amazing it the performance is mm-hmm. there there's bugs that are they're they're not impediments right 
like you can play around them and we all know this it's an alpha game they're still making it we're just playing in their yeah. construction zone but but then there are times where it's just like really bad um and one of the one of the issues right now that I believe they just became aware of over the past couple of days, and it hasn't been officially recognized by CIG yet, is the ships despawning. Um, and to clarify on that, they're not despawning. They're being stored. There's an overly aggressive garbage collector right now that yeah. I don't, you know, no one knows why it's doing it, but it's been reported by a lot of people. But essentially, you get out of your ship, and the moment you are technically no longer on the grid of your ship you know if you see you know so say your name has left the channel of whatever ship you're in as soon as you see that you're no longer on the ship um Mm -hmm. and it'll it'll uh store your ship on you and uh and to to clarify i actually had a gray cat rock inside of the valkyrie like dead center in the middle of the ship and i Mm -hmm. and i literally entered the gray cat rock while the Valkyrie was parked and it despawned it as soon as I entered the gray cat rock, because I technically left the grid of the, of the Valkyrie and it stored both of them on me and just dropped me right where I was. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's, that's happening to a lot of people right now. And unless you're doing anything where you don't actually get out of your ship, um, you're okay. You know, yeah, but but you you know the 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 risk of running cargo where you let's say you land at Bezdek or Lathan, and the time that you click the button at the terminal to say buy whatever, and you look out yeah. the window, your caterpillar or whatever it is could get stored right then and there, and that money that's invested is now locked up. You can't. There's a lot of times when you can't retrieve the ship, and so. then you have to claim it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, so that's annoying. Yeah. Um. Chekhov, have you yeah. been doing anything in the verse? Yeah, same. I mean, I think this, I was going to say, this almost going to sound like a mining episode. It was all about mining. Everything that I've done, bugs and, and for science, it's all kind of mining related. And, and, and oh. even the something that uh, they just uh, talked about on Star Citizen Live, too. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, exactly. I can't um, wait for that, that new HUD, by the way. Oh, I know. It looks so good. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I haven't really been playing. You know, uh, as Netsmage knows, last night we actually played um, another game just for fun. Uh, Spellbreak is what it's called. We were just horsing around there and just, you know, people were a little frustrated with the bugs last night. So. Um, but I'm in the game right now and it seems to be okay, you know, except for a few, like, you know, for some reason, all of a sudden the object containers just aren't streaming certain things in like it used to, <laughs> like my, my Carrick will miss half the ship Yeah. when I walk on and it's unusual. Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's funny sometimes when you, uh, when you load into like, let's say, uh, microtech and new Babbage and you're getting, you're in the bed and you can like, just look to your left or, you know, you stand up in the Mm -hmm. room and you can see all the stuff like popping in all the cleaning products and the, you know, you just see it go pop, 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 Mm -hmm. pop, pop, pop. So. It's just like when you get to a new server and all of a sudden the AI come to life. (laughs) Yeah. The flashback. Yeah. 
But initially, they look like they're part of the first order, getting ready. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in other news, we did get a three um, point three eleven dot one uh, patch in Evocati this week. Um, now, not much has been really said about it besides bug fixes. Although it looks like so far, um, a majority of the content is around the new location at New Babbage for the IAE. Um, I think the other cool thing too is uh, we did get a little bit of a, a sneak peek of the colors for the IAE. If you're if you're a member of the um, the uh, SC Leaks Discord, um, then you'd know this year's color palette is a lot more palatable um, with a. Uh, yellow, black, and, and white theme compared to the pinkish purple that we got last year. Um, yeah, so that that's pretty exciting. Um, you know, and then I, obviously we're hoping that once the PTU for that goes live, that we'll start to see developers um, and the content team play around with, you know, sneak peeking the MS, the Mercury Star Runner, similar to what they did with the Carrick and other ships. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, any anything else stand out to you, Nats, about the um, about the Evo patch? Uh, I know you pay very close attention to that stuff. Yeah, they're from what it seems like right now. They're they're they're. I I I don't want to make it sound like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, but there was you know for the uh, the free fly event whenever they, uh, uh what was the um shoot what was the the event when we it was in three nine they did the free fly Invictus yes Invictus Fleet Week so uh, I think they're trying to avoid that again uh, I don't yeah I don't think we're gonna hundred percent yeah I don't think that there's gonna be a free fly in conjunction with this event I think it's going to follow it there was some mentionings of that in the leaks Discord about a free fly towards the end I believe of December um. It was literally for 312. It said 312 and then the MSR free fly. So it sounded sounds like we're going to have the sale, right? And then and then followed by the sale, there's going to be a little bit of limbo time following into 312. And then there's going to be a scheduled free fly around that period. So that way they could target another sale for the Mercury Star Runner because I think they said that that was going to be the ship for the free fly event. Um, but I definitely... Uh... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, at the very least, the IAE does very similar to what Fleet Week did, which right. is whatever, um, I mean, obviously Fleet Week actually copied IAE, whatever manufacturers featured that day, people who already have game accounts can fly those ships. What I don't remember is if it was a free fly for anyone outside of a paid account. They didn't say anything other than I think it was like three twelve free fly MSR like that was that's all yeah. that's been said. But I but all I was trying to say was I think that they're trying to uh, prepare themselves a little bit better this time for this three eleven point one patch that's in conjunction with the annual sale. I think they're trying to hundred percent yeah because Invictus Fleet Week was a nightmare and I. I think yep. they're trying to give themselves a little bit of breathing room uh, to make sure that they've ironed everything out as much as they can before that. 
Yeah, especially because 3.12's Evo patch should be coming online close to the beginning of December, if not end of November. So it sort of coincides. Yeah. And it's very tight timing between the the point one year. Yeah. You You know, like what we tend to see is a buggy, buggy patch going into the holidays. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I think it's so sad. It was the same thing. They and they went off for holidays. It was extremely buggy. I remember everybody wanted yeah. to play. They, they they had some time off, and it was just a nightmare too. Yeah, <laughs> it's when we got Microtech as a planet. At least no new Babbage, just the exterior of New Babbage. But it was so sad. Um, yeah. So we fun- we are back with um, Inside Star Citizen this week, and it was. A pretty strong first episode of the season, not a throwaway in my mind. Um, and you've hinted at some of the things already. We we saw a look at the new mining um, UI, which showed a little bit of not just a better UI that you could see while mining, but also you can see some flight controls, which you couldn't see before. Um, then we also got a sprint report. So you saw... Um, an update to some of the lighting in the ships um, adjusted for older ships to increase performance. They talked more about integrating lights from button presses, like what you're seeing in the Gladius now. Um, The Origin 600i actually got a huge pass on lighting, including uh, creating runtime probes for the ship, just like what you see with the day-night cycles in New Babbage and some of the other locations they're doing within the 600i. Doesn't Area 18 have that too? I believe they all do now. The major cities, right? Or they're getting closer. They're improving it at the very least right. on all of them. New Babbage already had it, but I think I think Area 18 and Lorville, they're doing continuing to do some more. Um, they showed off non-lethal ordnance, so that includes the Preacher stun gun and the Cura Life med gun, which we've seen before. Um, they actually discussed those new volatile cargo types that we've been seeing images of. Oh, yeah, so, the crates. Yeah. yeah, the boxes that they were holding. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so uh, some of them were sensitive to damage. Mm-hmm. So try not to get your ship hit. Some are like Quantanium where it's time sensitive and some were actually quantum sensitive, which is the most intriguing to me. And I guess we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. Um, they talked about VFX and updated chaff effects so that they can differentiate it from flak cannons, which we'll be seeing on capital ships and space stations. That sounds exciting. Um, we saw another look at fire propagation and sort of the intended state. It did show like different damage states on things. Uh, and last but not least, oh no, not last but not least, we got another look at refinery decks. Um, we got a look at artists actually in some of the downtime between major patches and or when they're trying <laughs> if, to figure out what's next. If you got time to lean, you got time what's to that? clean slash yeah. refactor, yeah. make things look prettier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, more uglier in this case with and, the abandoned. Oh yeah, mode. that's right. And then if you had an hour and, to kill, um, you could have watched the space cowboy, you know, that was the, yeah. the, the probably the most. You're jumping ahead, Chekhov. Oh, you sorry. have to follow the schedule. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. The stars, um, that was the but, worst but we did, in life. Oh, I wouldn't. You you haven't watched them all then. Oh, um, yeah, I haven't. 
uh, last but not least, new ship to station docking look at this time, instead of showing the docking mechanism, which they seem to have come to a final um, decision on yes. what one they're going with. They were in white box, was, right? uh, where they'll position. Yeah. And so it's where they're positioning them in the space stations. And what I think is smart from their standpoint is they're putting them in a spot where it's away, like inside, like closer to the innards of the station so that you're showing off your capital ships, but everything has a view and it's sort of, it's a more immersive look to it. Yeah. They said that they didn't want to just stick them at the end of it, you know? Exactly. That would be the easiest thing, but it wouldn't be the the coolest thing. So they went with rule of cool. Man, they over, did look um, so cool, though. Like, I mean, think think so about look, think about looking out the window and seeing like two javelins out there. Just yeah, I mean that that's going to be really cool. And then the and, people and that are trying to sneak on like and steal, getting them. closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to have security posted at the entrance, you know. Yeah. Um. Any anything else from that those episodes? Obviously, I listed everything, but what what's got you most excited, Nets? Besides the the docking, the uh, so the the mining UI changes where we now actually have all the um, God, I don't want to call it metadata, but it it really is. It's metadata. What's about, in the cargo? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, like what's yeah. there? It's entire breakdown. I mean, there are so many things that they put on the UI, and they said they had it. They, it's always been there and accessible. They just didn't have a way to bring it forward to us in a meaningful way. And so they've, yeah. they finally took the time to redo that. And uh, now you don't have to, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten like two, three inches from my monitor trying to see that darn green bar and the sliver of, you know, that you yeah. got to stay. And it's between- <laughs> yeah. So it's just some really, really, really good changes for, for mining that's coming. So. And of course it's in building blocks, which I mean, that would be dumb if it wasn't, but you know, that means it should be cleaner and more accurate. Um, I mean, I thought it was cool. Every time they showed that new volatile cargo stuff, it wasn't just the, the individual cargo boxes, but they showed a larger one SEU cargo box storing those miniature pieces. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that when that stuff comes in, it comes in at the time with those things because then that's starting to look more and more like game, like further along in cargo than, than yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. And then with the, uh, I don't remember if it's in three twelve or not the, uh, the multi-tool attachment that's coming for moving stuff. Um, so, you know, they've, they've said it a couple of times. They don't just want stuff to magically just pop right up in your ship, right? You're going to have to move that stuff. Um, and so yeah. they're taking, you know, everything in Star Citizen is beyond baby steps. It's like fetus again, birth, crawl, you know, like it's just like they, they take it so slow. But and probably for good reason. But anyways, yeah, like yeah. imagine if you have a caterpillar. And we have to hand load, uh, hand fill that entire cat with this mining laser. Um, it might make it might make sense to then bring ten people to do it. And now you're paying yeah. neighbors. Or or it's like dock hands, right? In major locations, you're, you're dealing probably with paid labor within the, yeah. the actual location itself. And it will take time to fill your ship. It won't be instant, you know. 
Yeah. So all that stuff it's is pretty gonna be really cool. Yeah. Um, what about you, Chekhov? Anything on that list really gets you? Well, definitely, uh, definitely the the hard for mining and just the the detail and the as that's with all the metadata that you'll be given, you know, the consumables, the, the rate of consumption, volatile cargo, you know, the percentage of cargo on board, not just, you know, a warning light that you have mm-hmm. it, but, uh, you know, how long do you have to still until it explodes, you know, or, or everything like that. It just really puts, you know, kind of elevates the whole mining gameplay into a whole different level. You know, say, so, and it's just uh, interesting how every single component of Star Citizen is becoming so specialized, right? So it's almost as we're progressing, you know, you kind of have to be a specialist, right, to really perfect your trade. Yeah. Like if you're going to be a miner, you know, you really got to get into it because there's so many facets of it, that, and that's just the beginning of it. But you could see what's coming. I mean, it's the same with dog fighting. I mean, I'm just like still learning all different weapon loadouts and you know you really have to understand all that you know shield so it's like everything that you do is really becoming very specialized yeah it's it's so true um it and you know i think it's just it who knows when some of these features are coming in but i feel like it could be sooner rather than later in some instances um well, we were also treated to, as Chekhov mentioned, and something that he clearly didn't enjoy, um, a sort of Star Citizen Live game dev with uh, Jeremiah Lee. And Jeremiah Lee is a concept artist. He, um, he did sort of concepts around uh, Space Cowboy. Um, now, I would say, once again, I don't tend to like these episodes, although Jeremiah and um uh landau have a really good sort of banter back and forth and a good relationship so it's more enjoyable um but i always hate the ones where it's sort of it's not something actual in game but what they did say is a lot of those concepts that they show and and work on in those episodes end up making it into the game or are making it into the development so it is a little bit interesting, especially the Space Cowboy one, where I'm sure there's a lot of people who really want to be their own version of, you know, Mal, uh, Malcolm Reynolds from uh, Firefly. No, don't get me wrong. It wasn't bad. It was just I don't have a patience for the whole hour to spend on yeah. you know, looking at a cowboy. It was like, a, you know, you mix it up with other content. There was maybe, you know, 10 minutes of that, 10 minutes of something else. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Just, you know, one hour. Wow. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much for me too. Um, that's where I watch Nubifier instead. Yeah, I don't. I <laughs> if don't it was an hour that. demo, if it was an hour demo, I'd watch it. You know, yeah. um, like CitizenCon kind of stuff. It, it, can I tell you something? If, if if that would have been an hour on the HUD, like I, I would know, I like really dissecting the new HUD. Uh, yeah, I probably would. Yeah. Well, I mean, on this week's episode, so. Um, you know, for those who are interested this week on ISC inside star citizen, we're going to be treated to, um, a look at the new HUD, um, within ships. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to show it first on the gladius, which is the, um, you know, which is the 
test bed for a lot of the new HUD and a lot of new small ship uh, improvements. And then um, on Friday, they're going to be doing a calling all devs about death of a spaceman. So we're finally going to get updated information about death of a spaceman, which is something people have been uh, super eager for. Uh, for a long time because what right? we have now is old design documents. Yeah. And we don't know how it's going to, how it's changed since the original idea, but the game itself has changed so many times over in terms of the amount of things that it's capable of. Right. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. And of course it seems like it's sort of Halloween themed because of death, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, super interesting. Um, so with that, check off. I think you know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? Yeah, it took me about four episodes to figure it out, but it is time for science. <laughs> check off is absolutely correct. It's time for science. In this part of the episode, we're going to explore what we've done in the universe in the name of science. Um, and that's our great little for science theme <laughs> finally ending because mm-hmm. I usually talk longer. Um, so Netsmage, have you done any experimentation in the, in the verse besides the booty popping? <laughs> oh man, that, that, that video still cracks me up. Um, honestly, just cause of Cromwell's reaction in the background, but, uh, uh, yeah. So, um, we did some, uh, we did some mixed loadout testing, uh, just for kind of, uh, it was literally just like an ad hoc thing that we did. Uh, but honestly, the most, uh, if I were to pick anything that I've done testing on that I could speak of with the most confidence, I would say it would be distortion weapons. And so there's this really interesting mechanic that they have right now that's actually working correctly. And that is distortion weapons appear to be, and I haven't done an entire frame by frame breakdown of the damage that a distortion weapon does to a shield. Uh, Camerol or K- K- Kamal is how do you say his name? Camerol, Kamal. Oh, I'm I'm the, I'm drawing oh, a blank from the, 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 the YouTuber guy. He does all uh, the toughness tests and stuff like that. Camerol. Yeah, I don't I don't watch him. Oh, no. but anyways, he so he tests for all the shield holes, and he's been doing this stuff for years, and he has an Excel spreadsheet of uh, region relate region rates and all this stuff. Well, anyways, I'll, I'll leave it up to him to to test whether or not if you shoot one time and it says that you're supposed to do 50, 50 damage, that it actually does fifty damage. Like right? I'll I'll leave that up to him because he takes into account resistances and everything else. But the really nice thing that I can say with confidence about distortion weapons is that they are greatly reducing the shields so it is it seems like they are doing a considerable amount of damage which they were not doing before in like 3.8 and 3.9 and 3.10 but um, once the shields are depleted if you hit a component it has to be a component if you hit a component with distortion damage it will there's a bar that you can see on the mfd and it will eventually overload. I can't. I don't know if it's overloading or overheating, but anyways, there is a oh. there is a distortion effect that is applied to that component. Is it that little mini? It is, is. That thinner. It's that squiggly bar line on the shields. Yep. So no, 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 not the white line. That's your. Oh, uh, no. that's, that's your hardening. Oh. So if you go to, oh, okay. and you'll only see it if you're getting hit by distortion damage. 
and it's actually hitting a component. That's the only time you'll see it. So it doesn't normally show. But anyways, as that component maxes out in that little bar, uh, it'll eventually shut that component down. So uh, I tested repeaters, I tested cannons, and I tested the scatter guns as well. And the only thing that appears to be very consistent in the testing was the cannons. And the reason for that is because when the round actually hits the hull of the ship, it has splash damage. That splash damage has this plume or this radius around it. And so it has a greater chance or a higher probability to actually reach a component and affect it. Whereas the repeaters have a, a smaller radius or plume and the scatter guns have about the same as a repeater. Um, you just have more of them. So it's, you know, you get eight or mm -hmm. 10 or 12 pellets that go out, but the plume, the radius isn't really any greater than that of a repeater. So, but the sucker punches, uh, the sucker punch XLs were, man, they work flawlessly. Like you can shut a ship down and just keep them shut down. So, so sorry. Yeah. That's, that's my testing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, extensive. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What about you, Chekhov? Um, mine is totally opposite and very simple, but I kind of always want to think of stuff for, you know, what, what would newbies do? Right, somebody just basically mm -hmm. don't have a lot of ships, got a basic ship, you know, in game, you know, you you start a ship and you know, starting off like I remember I did with you know, doing boxes, 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 and seeing no light at the end of the tunnel because there's no way to get out of it unless you actually buy ships. Well, I'm happy to report so there's a very, very good and attainable path because A, you can buy a rock in game for about 172k, right? And you have a freelancer. So when I tried it in the beginning, I said, there's no way, no how, you know, this is just very frustrating gameplay because rock doesn't fit. But uh, I kind of played around it for a week. And, you know, if you do it right, you know, you just got to take your time. You get used to it. It fits perfectly. You could take it to any planet. You can mine head and night. And that's probably your best way to start earning money really quick and start buying really what we want in games. So it's a nice mm -hmm. path for somebody that's just starting out and uh, want to sort of earn their way or earn money in game. So that was kind of my testing. So rock works, it fits, it mines. So it's all good. Cool. I um, didn't do much, but actually while we were talking, I did um, test, uh, I've been wanting to do a test of the, um, of the profitability of Laranite again. Mm -hmm. um, and so oh, that's what Laranite I've been doing runs. right now as we speak. Yeah, I did the Laranite <laughs> run. Um, I did not despawn my ship, luckily. Oh, wow. I'm now at New. I'm now at Lorville trying to land, and almost there. And I'll see what my amount is. I will say it seems pretty similar in terms of the amount of. Uh, oops, I hit the wrong button. Almost killed myself. Um, I'll say it, I, if I recall correctly, it was about the same amount I could purchase as as before. Not the before before where it was extremely profitable, but the 
before as in like immediately before this last recent patch. So, um, so unfortunately it looks like it's not still not as profitable. It's still pretty profitable. I just have to remember it's not as profitable as back in the day. I miss, um, I miss running I'm sure. three or four caterpillars at a time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, was, that was fun. Yeah. You can't really do that anymore. Um, so uh, that concludes for science, but uh, check off. What's it? Oh, goodness. No, I'm about to. Uh Oh, they need to fix these closing hangers. It's really annoying. So speaking of closing hangers and fixing things, check off. What's what's your bug of the week? Oh, bugs. I mean, it's uh, I don't know. I have to th- think of the most annoying one. I guess it's the one, the unpredictable one where you store your ship somewhere especially with the rock again is as i said it's going to be all a mining theme this this episode and then you know you can't really uh spawn it you know it's very random you know you walk up to a terminal sometimes it comes back sometimes you get the red x and now i have to you know go to another station and start looking for it so it's it's like one of those bugs where you know and i never do this i never just like you know what I'm not playing like some of our members. They just doesn't go their way and they just log off. But this is one of those things that I know will take me like an extra half hour just to get going to do anything because I have to go somewhere else and spawn the ship. You know, and now the rock is probably going to be missing. So now I have to go pick up the rock. So, I mean, this kind of stuff is just uh, it's random. It's annoying uh, fueling, you know. Also, I've been bugged with the. Uh, Probably this is the worst uh, patch, at least for me, when it comes to repairing and fueling the ship. More than 50% of the time, I'm not able to do it. So, yep, that's that's kind of... Uh, n- 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 overall, not a good patch for me. Yeah, same for me. I'm hoping 3, 3.11.1 fixes a lot of that, and it seems like it probably will. Uh, Nets, any, any interesting bugs outside of what we already talked about? Uh, outside of the, I mean, on the one at the top of my list is that despawning bug, right? Um, mm. but I mean, I can't, I mean, all, the refueling I can work around, uh, assuming you don't like a lot of these bugs you have to think ahead for, like, for example, if I get in a ship and it has a, it's a stock ship and I think the quantum mm-hmm. fuel is like 583 or whatnot. That's the stock 580 something. And I'm trying to go somewhere. I always have to think, you know, uh, make sure I don't get stranded if this doesn't refuel, if this doesn't work, right? So like refueling and stuff, mm-hmm. I can I can think forward and I can get around. But like have like if you're out mining in the rock and you have to literally go into the MFD and turn the drivetrain off every single time, so that way you can mm-hmm. mine. And that way you can actually extract the contents. Check off. Remember how much how, how yeah. much of a difference that made when I told you to turn off the drivetrain? And oh, you went, it was, and you, I was suffering before you <laughs> told me. I was like sliding all over the place. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, and and uh, so like aside from aside from those, no, I mean the literally the despawning is the the worst for me. But actually, they fixed that. By the way, I don't remember if it was in the point one or the twelve patch. They fixed the ground vehicles as a whole, because it's not just a gray cat rock, it's ground vehicles as a whole. They slide. It's like their wheels were greased or something like that. And they just, 
you know, they're just constantly sliding. Oh. So they maybe, maybe there's uh, too much pressure in the tires. Maybe we should just let Camara. <laughs> can they make it from not? Can they stop it from bouncing around the hanger of or the uh, bay of my? Uh, oh God, um, Cuddy. That's, that's been. Uh, I think it was Nubkins and Crumble and I. We went out and we were summoning a rock, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but they were standing out near the pad, like in front of it, and the rock teleported it was like it was on a zip line it like teleported to the pad but killed whoever it was right in front of it and it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like like it just like clotheslined them uh, and then it kept a few weeks ago mine went into space <laughs> yeah, so, so, so so you know so I, you know every time i play this game as i said that you find something new every day almost so guess what i landed at po and there were missiles coming at me left and right and I survived, you know, freelance is perfectly intact. So I come out of it and I decided to take a peek and see how my rock was doing. So I opened the door and the rock is splattered all over the walls in pieces. <laughs> so explain that to me. My ship is intact and the rock inside is destroyed. Well, the rock is volatile cargo, apparently. Yeah. Oh. New cargo type. There you go. It rocks and rolls, you know. Um, I haven't had anything outside of what we already talked about. Pretty much the same standard. I'm going to pull my hair out kind of bugs. Um, you know, in the same one that I talked about a few weeks ago, I couldn't claim my character. I finally reset my character because I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. Oh, um, goodness, yeah. Well, hopefully the bugginess goes away. Um, oh, very soon. I, oh, you said you couldn't claim your Carrick, right? Is that why? You have yeah. To uh, okay, so that's mm -hmm. what's happening to me. So I guess it was the same I'm for me. For, I, for whatever reason, my Valkyrie Liberator Edition, like that was the one ship that just kept getting like stuck, and I would have to do an account reset, and then I would get back in game, go to do something, it would pull my ship away from me again. I would go to a terminal to try and retrieve it, can't retrieve, can't claim it. I have to do another account reset. I did three of them. Uh, within a two-day period, but but kept everything or lost. Well, yeah, I kept everything, but I just had to keep doing account resets, which is not fun, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, or character resets, I think is. Oh well. I also like my Laranite run. Just so you know, I made a little over. I think I made about a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred a hundred thousand AUC. So. Still with, worth it. With what kind of investment? Um, it was over four or five hundred. Well, that's not a half bad a million or so. That's not bad. Yeah. That's great. Better than the one point one million, and then the server crash, and then I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we got a lot of questions this week. Um. So. You know, for starters, the first one comes to us from Earth, and it's to everybody. Uh, he asks, do you think the current quote-unquote piracy, uh, which is large, largely categorized right now by a lot of people as griefing, I'm paraphrasing, by the way, because I added some words there by accident, um, is only senseless murder that ruins the day of other players with no benefit, or... Is it helping players to think ahead, establish defense strategies, and prepare for the growing PvP risks of the verse? What do you think, Nets Mage? 
I, I I'm so sorry. My daughter just came in and I was trying to listen. I'm, can you ask it one more time? I'm sorry. You guys, sure thing. I'm sorry. That's okay, kids. You know, hashtag kids. Yeah, sorry. Um, do you think the current piracy, which is largely categorized as griefing, is only senseless murder that ruins the day of other players with no benefit, or is it helping players to think ahead, establish defense strategies? and prepare for the growing PvP risks of the verse? I, I think it's both. Um, mm. But after after doing some testing with, uh, with Zach, one of the things that we confirmed is that you can actually take the cargo contents out of the back of a rock, and you can create a box. And you can take that box, and you can go and sell it at a no-questions-asked place like Grimhex or one of the hidden terminals. So you can sell someone else's mind materials. So that gives a mm. legitimate reason to pirate. However, there are people out there who just, I mean, it's, it's a video game. They're, they could be kids or adults that are still kids, right? They, and they just don't care. And they just go out there and they're going to be turds and they're going to shoot you no matter where you are. There, yep. there's, there's a lot of exploits in game. Like if you, if you direct message someone, It'll actually create a two-way tracking system so you can see them and they can see you no matter where you are. So if you really mm-hmm. wanted to be a troll, you could hunt someone on that server and just keep, you know, harassing them. But I think yeah. it's I think it's it's both. I mean, they're setting yeah. us up so that way we need like they're they're relaxing the armistice zones, right? So we're gonna need mm. you, there's no more of these solo runs where you know you take all this capital and invest it in something. And you don't have any protection. They're making it yeah. more risky. And that's for good yeah. reason. Because if, yep. the, if the game is just totally Care Bear, no one's going to, like, it, it won't gain that much traction, right? There needs to be yeah. that reward. There needs to be that risk reward factor. And they're trying mm-hmm. to push the player base, whether we want to or not. They're trying to push yeah. us in that direction. That's why they have these so many different types of ships, you know, the, the Nautilus with the mine lane, the different types of mines, the different types of uh, blades for AI. I mean, there's just so many variables that they have given the player base or, or going to give us to, to make the game defensible. So it's not like they're setting it up for failure. They're just like, no, you got to take, you know, like <laughs> when they introduced the survival mechanics, you got to yeah. plan accordingly mm-hmm. for water eating it i mean look how fast we found out when we were going to aerial to do the initial mining with the rock when we uh-huh. were we were like dying all the time or no i mean dehydrating I think, super fast yeah right. but i i think it's i think it's both i think it's yeah both. yeah i agree and i think part of it is there's a third answer they're forcing uh you know certain uh, CIG, certain type of play because after all it is alpha and it is uh, in development so they're kind of forcing us by you know encouraging certain types of play to see what's actually going on and seeing the effects of it and, and as i say that i'm standing on po and all i hear is explosions left and left and right <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i agree and i i would say this i think might as well let it happen now before there is death of a spaceman you know learn our strategies, figure it out as an org, um, really figure out the best way to handle this because, you know, long-term it's going to be harder. But also, you know, if you think about Stanton as a system, it borders a pirate system, 
So I would imagine Stanton in general is slightly riskier than Terra, where there's probably not even any pirates to be had, or maybe less. Um, and so, you know, I think that'll be, there'll be places for people who want to be completely PVP um, safe. There won't be as many as I'm sure there are, you know, gray areas and risky areas. But I think those who will want to play the game in a, in a safe way will have a, a relatively risk-free opportunity to, once they establish those safety lanes, you might be going an extra jump or two, but, you know, that'll be balancing the risk versus reward versus going straight through pyro to cut into another system. Yep. Yeah, speaking um, of which, I could use some help if anybody's around PO. I can't even take off. <laughs> <laughs> I am nowhere near PO. I am on Lorville um, or in Lorville. Uh, our second question comes to us from Brillo Cubis, who asks, do you think that RSI is trying to reinvent the wheel with some of its development of Star Citizen? Lots of games have inventory management systems, as an example. What do you so, think, Nats? So uh, they are recreating the wheel, but they're doing it for... Uh, um, Everyone who sees Squadron 42 and Star Citizen being developed for purely a game is naive. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, well, sorry, I'm trying not to be offensive here, but um, is ignorant. And there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. Uh, if you really don't know, you don't know. But, yeah. what, but what they're doing is they're developing a repurposable, redistributable um, chef and cookie cutter system that can be yeah. a template that they can sell. They're not Star just making essentially. They're they're yeah. So like people think uh, you know like the Unity game engine and Frostbite and all that other stuff. They are do CIG is doing the same thing. And so mm -hmm. that way, when someone out someone later on is like, hey, you know what? Your you know your stars you know your space simulator was amazing. We want to be able to do that, but ours is going to be in the Amazon, right? And so then they can take that and then they can tailor all the assets and everything like that to be Amazon specific, but everything ties into the plumbing and the foundation and the architecture that they set up in place to be reused. Mm -hmm. So, and even they can keep making their own games that way. Right. Right. But they, so one of the things that we never do uh, is make something that is so proprietary, so specific that it has no reusability especially mm -hmm. when you have this much money in it. And I've worked on projects larger than CIG. And so everything that we do has some sort of reusability. And mm -hmm. yeah, so, but yeah, the inventory management system, I mean, uh, you know, every single game engine itself has it a completely different tie-in into how they do things. You have game engines that are written on the subscriber or the observer pattern. So they're all closed loop systems, but there's there's different fundamental aspects and characteristics between those two patterns. So some of them are easily more optimized and normalized based on the pattern and how they are essentially tied in with one uh, with uh, the I would say modules within them. But uh, yeah. but yeah, they're they're making something a lot more than Star Citizen and Squadron Forty Two. It's much bigger. Yeah. Than that. Yeah. 
What what about uh, you, Chekhov? What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's uh, you know got into when with my whole question about the iCash and server meshing. I mean, it, it this whole environment is so complex, and you know, there's yeah, the this is a just it stands alone, and like you said, they are reinventing the wheel here. So yeah. Oh my goodness, my cat will not leave me alone. It's it's borderline I thought that offensive. Was a, I thought that was a kid. I had to think for a second. Oh, because it, sometimes it sounds like he's going, hello? Yeah, hello? that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, shut up. It's, they get wet food at the end of the night. It's not the end of the night yet. My, um, I do the same with my kids. <laughs> you give them fancy feast? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I agree too. And and the thing that I would say is I don't care that they're reinventing the wheel. I think, you know, they've shown, they have my trust in terms of, yeah, I would love the game to be out now, but I'm also along for the ride. And part of that is seeing where they can go with things. And I think, you know, if they can make it so that it fits within the universe and the way that they do things, I think it's more enjoyable that way. Um, <laughs> Admiral Cody asks, um, when will we see the Monopoly board game reskinned with a Star Citizen theme? <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, but the pieces are like you know, if a bad roll is a thirty k, you got you. We'd have to put all the different. <laughs> we'd have to put all the different error codes on there for uh, for the blocks, you know. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred AEUC. Uh, go straight to <laughs> go straight to Tressler. Yeah. Or Klesher. Or, or, Klesher. Sorry. Yeah, Klesher. <laughs> I was trying to think of the same thing. <laughs> um, probably after Squadron Forty Two, and I bet it would be the Squadron Forty Two themed if it's that if it ends up being super popular. <laughs> That's oh god, what does that remind me of? Jump to conclusions game from. Oh my! You just jump <laughs> to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> from office space yeah <laughs> um uh, georgie asks a couple of questions so for everybody he asks sometimes sometimes star citizen has too many bugs what's your getaway game until star citizen gets into a better state that's mm. <laughs> i don't i <laughs> i have been combing the the internet and mmorpg.com and looking at game reviews and all sorts of stuff and i don't have one uh there's nothing nothing out there that can compare to what star citizen is giving us and that is why i struggle so much to be able to find something to fill the shoes or that void that star citizen yeah when we have those bugs right so yeah. I don't. I don't really have one, but I mean, like, we were, what was that spell spell game we were playing? Spellbreaker. Yeah, Spellbreaker. That's that's honestly a not Spellbreak. So, Spellbreak. Yeah, that's not. It's not so bad of a game to where you jump in. It's instant. You you kill some people, and then you're just kind of done, right? Yeah, one too many thirty Ks, and you're like, let's go Spellbreak. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really have one. So. Yeah. Same here. What about you, Chekhov? Uh, mine is very simple. Catching up on the house. As much time as I spend on Star Citizen, catching up on the house chores. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so but I'm, I'm with you guys. Sim. 
yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's not. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, everything else that should disappointment. I don't want to even that yeah. anything else. I, I was gonna say uh, one game that literally caught my attention though yesterday that I saw, uh, and I showed it to my son. Uh, I think I showed it to MG, and MG was he was kind of put off by the uh, the color, like the intensity of the color is very strong, and it was Godfall. And Godfall looked like an amazing game. Like the action, it looks really smooth, polished, fluid. But I have flashbacks of Anthem when I look at that game. And I'm mm. like, oh man, Anthem was like, its combat was so gratifying. Like you jump in there, you Hulk smash. It was so smooth. Everything felt so polished. But that was it. So I'm afraid that Godfall is going to be like that too. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, I digress. Oh, I mean, I I pretty much don't really play anything. I used to play StarCraft 2, but I only have fun with that when I'm playing with other people. So it's not as as fun um, uh, when I, it's just like me versus other people because I, I like being like 2v2 or whatever. And then um, outside of that, then I just don't play games. You know, I, I'll read or watch a movie or watch TV. Uh, or or catch up on Star Citizen content. One of the things that I've been doing is going back through some of the old lore videos and even some of the old videos just to see what the historical insight was into a mechanic because I like to have as much information about you know where their head's at as possible just because I'm curious about it. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, the second question from Georgie, a.k.a. MG, uh, a.k.a. our Greek friend, uh, is for you, Ness Mage, and he asks, when the 4090 RTX gets published, how many milliseconds will pass until you get it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Ness Mage is an upgrade fiend and an optimization fiend. Yeah, I, uh, the 4090? Oh, gosh. Um, it'd be, honestly, if... If history is to repeat itself, it would show us that. And it's so funny that I, I let this bother me when I could have written something myself. But all the uh, the bot automation software that's completing the transactions electronically within, um, it's literally like adding the cart, with adding the item to cart within milliseconds and then completing the entire order and transaction within a couple of seconds. Um, but I... I mean, forty ninety. Uh, I'll pass. I I'm holding on to a thirty ninety for now, and I'll I, I am done spending money for a while. There you go. Um, next up is always our fearless leader, Techno. Uh, first, he asks, "What's your favorite in-game ship right now, and which are you looking forward to most in the future?" Uh, next, Mage. Oh, that's so hard. Um, there's so many different ships that all serve different purposes. If I had to pick one, and it, and it has to be flight ready. I'm assuming anything in game, anything in oh, game now. Yeah. Okay. And then, what's your favorite that you're looking forward to the most in the future? <laughs> oh man, so favorite. Right now, my my fallback ship, no matter what, is a Carrick. I love the Carrick. It's a beautiful ship. It serves mm -hmm. so many different purposes and roles. 
it's a really good kind of jack of all trade ship, obviously, except for mining and refining and stuff like that. But, um, but I mean, it's a great ship. It's a Carrick. I'd have to say the Carrick. And what are you looking forward to? <laughs> the Idris. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course you are. the, uh, I, the fact that, you know, it's going to have those automated turrets on it with the, uh, the Idris K package, I think is what it was, the upgrade package. So that way, even mm-hmm. if you are moving the ship by yourself, you're not entirely defenseless. So I'm looking forward yeah. to the Idris. So cool. And I know that it's not against proof. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see. <laughs> um, he, he may find a way just like life finds a way. Nubkins finds a way. Um, yeah. What about you, Chekhov? <laughs> uh, believe it or not, it's Prospector. I mean, again, I don't own any of I the believe it. ships, but I do like the Prospector just because I like the mining game, especially with the new HUD around the corner. And uh, Banu uh, Merchantman is the one that I would be looking forward to. I'm just, oh, nice. uh, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, with the whole, again, dynamic economy. Being able to use NPCs, set up shops, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I I think that's a pretty exciting uh, soon to be. Um, if you don't know my favorite ship by now, um, listeners mm-hmm. and anyone who's in our org and anyone I play the game with, then you probably don't know me at all. <laughs> but it is the Carrick. It's the, the ship that made me get the game. It's my favorite ship. I. No matter what's happened so far, it remains my favorite ship. I'm really excited for a few ships. Um, one, really excited for the Star Runner coming um, very soon. And I think for that, it's not so much the gameplay associated with it. I mean, and I do have one, but I think it's for the new style guide. Um, and then I, I'm really excited for two ships that I do have. Um, that I'm super stoked for are the Orion and the Crucible. Um, and then last but not least, the ship I don't have, the Endeavor, was going to be really interesting to see, especially it's sort of like a a very science oriented capital ship. Yeah, the Orion's going to be nuts. That's that's going to yeah. be. <laughs> I'm wondering how that thing's going to even work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Techno asks very specifically to you, Nets Mage. Um, judging from the current Star Citizen delays and trends, uh, is there any specific feature that should be released sooner than later? I'm guessing um, he's leaning on your knowledge as a software engineer. Uh, he also said, so as he said, i.e., what should CIG be focusing on right now? Anything specific. And he also said, any. Any IAE purchases on the horizon for you? <laughs> uh, so, uh, again, it's it's very easy to be a backseat driver. And for me to say, uh, I think CIG should do X, uh, I, I would be ignorant to, to say. Um, but if I were to give pure speculated opinion uh, based on the things that they have put in front of us, I would say that I would backpedal iCache. And I would put server meshing in there, even if they gave us some sort of increased load time that every player just knew if you were ever transitioning between one server to another, you would see a loading screen, right? Um, Interesting. 
And so that way they could at least figure out how to raise the cap of players. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously not, you know, each server would still have its max capacity, um, but we would, obviously there's some really big downfalls there. iCache is supposed to work in conjunction with server meshing. It's not supposed to mm -hmm. be, it, they are two standalone modules or components or features, but, but server meshing could work without iCache. We would just see huge, huge issues without it. So, yeah. but, but. I would love to see server meshing in place just so that way we can actually have more than 50 people on in a given area. So, but again, I'm just throwing something out there. I have no idea how they would do that, but I would like to see server yeah. meshing before anything else. Yeah. I mean, they've said they, they've pretty much said that iCache is the precursor for server meshing for them. So I have a feeling that won't right. happen, but yeah, you know, one can only dream. I was hoping it would so at least I was hoping at least for a, a static server meshing to include pyro even or not even I was hoping they'd include pyro before even if we had to choose it at the load screen. Yeah, I think I didn't they mention something about uh, a, the first implementation of server meshing would be this kind of hybrid between static and dynamic so that way they would yeah. pre, that way they would pre-allocate a server for not just Hurston in general, it would be, uh, it'd be split up into grids probably, um, or they would yeah. take an entire asset and ac allocate it to a server. But, but yeah. um, versus it actually spinning up new servers because there's too much, pe too many people in an area. And, and you know, yeah. I, I think that's the difference, right? It's, it'll be static in the sense that the servers won't spin up and change Diane. Um, but in, different because we might go to a different server and it might be a different planet or a different system. Um, but then long-term it would be, oh my goodness, there's an all-out battle outside Port Olisar. We need Port Olisar's space around there to be an entire server. Right. And stuff like that typically, so there's all these rules that you put in place as uh, you put on uh, ALBs, um, Amazon mm -hmm. load balancers or ELBs, elastic load balancers, you put them on there and it's part of the rule set that defines uh, the things that work behind it. So it's the ingress handler that sits in front of everything and it mm -hmm. will actually know because it's looking at all the resources that sit behind it and it goes, oh shoot, that, that server is getting hammered. It's beyond my threshold. As soon as it goes beyond a certain number, it is already working on spinning up an entire new cluster. And mm -hmm. you have all these host records and everything that are that are used for resolving internally and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I ram. Just you could talk about this forever. <laughs> Any <laughs> IAE purchases for you? Um, the I'm on the fence about it. The javelin uh, is the one that I am, you know, saving my pennies for. It's such an expensive ship, but it's the one ship that I look at as. It's it's honestly so cool. The things that it's capable of doing, we don't have the people to man it though. That's the one thing that I'm just yeah hesitant on. Like you can't just <laughs> we're gonna see it though. We're gonna see people solo flying javelins, and you know they're not gonna destroy the javelin. They're gonna they're gonna land on it somehow or crash into it and and figure out a way to get in it and then kill the person that's flying in the seat by themselves. So yeah. um, it's a bad idea. 
Yeah, but that's you know that's the one. If I was to get one, that's the one that I that I want. You know, but it's not a yeah. need. Yeah. Um. That's definitely and and then you know obviously we we know this time of year IAE especially they do a lot of straight to flyables at least one usually. Word on the street is it could be this new refinery ship. I forgot the manufacturer. It was um, C N O U Consolidated. That's right. Yeah, Outlands. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's what was it called? The not a Nova. It was called. Oh, I started with an A. <laughs> looks, Whatever it doesn't yeah. matter. Looks like a belt buckle. Should be cool. Yeah, should be cool, hopefully. Um, and then sometimes capital ships. So, I mean, obviously they've been hinting at this RSI, something big coming out of them. For oh, some the time. gunboat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a broadside. So we'll see what happens there. It, I mean, yeah. To, you know, the with the, the gates that open up and supposed to have big cannons or something like that. Like, it's very, yeah. very Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, last but certainly not least, last week's guest, Nick Norell, uh, asks all of us, um, when the Mercury Star Runner releases, it is uh, boasting about having this concealed smuggling area on board. What expectations about smuggle, smuggling play are expected? And is anything going to show up sooner rather than later? What do you think, Nancy? smuggling i mean i'm gonna see if i can get you know sneak check off sneak check off through uh the pyro system without no one noticing <laughs> that's gonna be hard <laughs> um well at least we know his voice won't register too many exactly um, <laughs> too many ticks oh. higher um and for anyone who doesn't realize that the mercury star runner supposedly well it's going to have uh, sort of hidden compartment slash tunnels underneath or like, you know, areas to move about, but the entrance is supposed to be underneath the chessboard. Yeah. It's um, like little crawl spaces, is, right? To yeah. Get to them. Super. Yeah. And I think what the suggestion is supposed to be is it's supposed to be a shielded cargo area for some, something very specific. Uh, um, if I, if I recall the, uh, the, the leaks, the leaks discord uh, they they get a lot of credit for this stuff but um the uh the leaks discord the the scuttlebutt was that it was four or six scu on each side yeah so it's enough and if you think about that have you ever gone and tried to fill up a caterpillar with widow or slam or anything else like that you'd be there for you'd be there for days the refresh rate is so low that makes sense so if you're hauling cargo and you just happen to, I don't know, if you're swinging by there and, you know, and you, you, you fill up those, you know, that 12 SCU, you know, you could tack an extra, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 AUEC on whatever it is that you're hauling. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. And that makes sense because they're slowing down the rate of income. So that way the ship prices are starting to make more sense. That $32 million yeah. for an 890 is starting to make a whole lot more sense now than when we had the infinite Laronite, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see that stuff. And the Mercury Star Runner is going to fit a Grey Cat rock in there. And what was really cool is they were playing around with the, uh, the Krugers. They were able to fit two P-72s or P-52s in there. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, because the because the wings fold up. 
Yeah, so. I, I never put ships in places where they're not supposed to be intended for it, so it doesn't yeah. bother me. You know, Mr. Mr. By the Book. Um, <laughs> you know, 10 and 2. That's <laughs> that's how I drive. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I think... I don't think we're going to see any smuggling mechanics in the short term, and we're certainly not going to see any data running in the short term based on what they've said recently. Um, but I do think it'll be interesting, like that that area. In addition to holding cargo, you could smuggle, you know, criminals through a UEE system into a safe system. You know, if you're breaking someone out of uh, Klesher Check and you're off. leading them outside of the yeah. the area you can smuggle them in that store and get them through um so that that'll be interesting uh so what about you Chekhov? yeah i get i think it's uh, i think we talked about all the time it's maximizing your earnings per hour right so you gotta be Mm -hmm. smart at what you're doing right it's uh, you know carrying large cargo smuggling you know a player and pc or you know, whatever it may be, you know, widow or, or whatever else they could think of, you know, and yeah, just maximizing your earnings per hour. Yeah. Um, well, that's it for our questions today. If you do want to submit a question for next week's episode, you can do so by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You can submit a message through the Anchor landing page. So that's anchor.fm slash readcast or you can do so on the readcast discord in the questions section uh you know don't forget if you are looking to explore the verse with a crew that's you know respectful law-abiding as you can see by all of our guests really fun to be around uh take a look at read it as always stands for research and engineering through exploration and discovery nets mage thanks so much again for joining us tonight um, it was really great having you. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks thank for letting, thanks for letting me be here. It was, it was fun. Oh, of course. Where can our listeners find your content? <laughs> uh, I think it's just Nets Mage on YouTube. Um, but uh, again, I I would I would point people towards O Earth. O Earth is the real like he's the real deal. <laughs> you know, um, I just put up things that I have fun with. But O Earth is the one that takes. God, what did he say? He had a hundred clips for the ten days on uh, Microtech or something like that. Yeah, of, of only he eating, yeah, of only eating peanut butter or something like that. Like he, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's it's Nets Mage on YouTube. Uh, I don't, we will include a link in the show notes for sure, so you don't have to remember by heart. Um, and if you do want to check out some of the other read content creators, as, as Nets Mage mentioned, um, don't forget to watch O-Earth's or Earth's videos, the O-Earth's Silence. Yes. Um, or you can listen to some of the music that Admiral Cody and uh, Calibri are creating. It's pretty great. You know, the, uh, um, theme song to the show and the, the intro for, for science are some of the tracks that they've created, but they have a whole soundtrack they're slowly but surely building into something really interesting. Uh, so links for that will be included as well. Her, her yodeling is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Happy day of the Vara and happy Halloween. Yes. And, uh, you know, we always forget to mention that you can always find all of us in game. So it, 
You can Don't friend us. It's a friend request us, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're always there. And, well, you know, you're going to find at least one of us almost uh, at any given evening on. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're on pretty regularly. Well, thanks again, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you around. Thank you all. Thank you.